The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, we are uh, almost done with this series on the Sermon on the Mount um, called Consumed, because what Jesus essentially is saying is that I want uh, you to move to a place of strength. Want you to, to move beyond yeah, looking good or playing the games. I, we can play sometimes in any community or a part of, and certainly we can play them in a church. I want you to move to a, a place of, of deep strength. Too often what we do is we, you know, we, we play it. We know how to, we know how to fit into a community or we know how to, to sort of fit into society and life. And yet often what is below the surface at times is a, is a life in which we are being eaten from the inside out. Jesus says, I want more for you. I want much more for you. I want a righteousness that goes beyond what you see in the religious professionals. I want a, a righteousness, a maturity, a strength that looks like your heavenly father. I think this sermon is good news. Uh, most of the people uh, throughout the church have dodged this. Um, the church itself and its history over 2,000 years has spent most of its time trying to, to put it off for another time or trying to, to, to say it's just for a certain class of people, uh, you know, just, just nuns, just, you know, monks, people that are really, really holy. To just say, don't worry about it, because oftentimes it seems too hard. Well, I think you go down the road of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and it's, it's not a quick fix. It's not going to get you rich. It's not going to make you feel powerful. It's not going to um, make you uh, seem successful right away. This isn't the place for that. In fact, if you're reading the Bible for kind of a way to, to, be, to make it in life and be successful, I would suggest you get another book. Because it just isn't ever going to do that for you. You're going to be uh, sorely um, disappointed. We go down this road and we're going to bump into all kinds of things that are going to make us think that we're going in the wrong direction or make us think that maybe we should just even give up. We're going to start uh, feeling things like a poverty of spirit. Uh, we're going to start to feel like we're, be going, we're kind of called beyond ourselves and it's going to be really uncomfortable. We're going to, we're going to start to mourn. Uh, we're, we're going to start uh, feeling like our heart breaks all the time. We're going to start to have a, a, an unquenchable sense that I want more than what I see in, in people around me and in, in myself, if I'm, if I'm honest. I think Jesus knew that if we were to begin to follow him down into, into what he's going to talk about in the Sermon on the Mount, that he knew we were going to bump into these things. He knew that we were going to perhaps think that uh, maybe we're going the wrong way. And so I think it's... It's why he, he said, blessed are you, on the right road are you when you feel poor in spirit, when you mourn, when, when you thirst for a righteousness that goes beyond what you're experiencing right now. Don't, don't, don't run the other way. You're on the right road. I think, you know, oftentimes, um, I'll be honest, I love the Sermon on the Mount, but I also find it incredibly frustrating. Frustrating to the, to, to the point of uh, being comical, and I, I think... It's really because we all, to some extent, and, and maybe you're different, but I'll just say for me, that really we're deal makers. I'm a deal maker. We think that, you know, if we, if we begin to play our hand right, God is going to give us what we want. That's why we approach faith or, 
or, or the Bible and we think this is going to, if I follow kind of what's going on, what's in here, then God is going to give me everything I want. He's going to give me give the, the job, the spouse, the house, the career, the, the, the finances. I'm going to have everything I need if I just follow this. And I just, I just got to play my hand right. So I'll read the Bible and figure out how to play my hand right. And so some of us, you know, we, we kind of get our cards and we go, you know, hey, well, I made a decision for Jesus, so and I'm in church, for goodness sake, so that's, that's one. But you know what, I don't know that he knows this, but you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll actually, I'll go to seminary. I mean, that's going to strengthen my hand. And then if we're really, really holy, we think, you know what, I'll preach on Jesus' famous sermon. And then you think, man, we got a hand, and God, we're going to win it. Finally, we're going to win. Because God can't best that. Because God's got to owe us. The problem is God calls that crap out every time. We always lose that. We always lose it. Even if we, even if we think that God somehow owes us, he goes, you know what, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll beat that, I'll beat that hand any, any time. So here's what's happened to me. Um, I went to seminary. I grew up in a Christian family. I love, I love the sermon. And yet over the last few weeks, here's my experience. I've had a profound sense since the new year of a, of a poverty of spirit. And what I mean by that is I feel over my head all the time. I feel incapable of doing what I think needs to get done because I see God at work all over the place in this community and throughout UPC. And there are times when I just see things that are, that are not working and I want to fix it. And I can't. And there are things that I want to encourage and I want to put more energy into. But I don't know the answers, actually. I have a distinct sense of being over my head. And it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I've had a, a, a real sense of, um, of mourning. I, I mentioned, you know, when we've talked about anger, I've again and again had, had this sense of, uh, of um, the reality of needing to day, almost daily mourn. I mourn more often than I ever have in my life because I'm daily let down by myself and by others. So, you know, you think if I were to kind of play my hand right, you know, that God would give me, kind of make me feel powerful. And yet, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about anger and I talked about, you know, him saying, I want you to step. Don't just don't just say I don't murder people. I want you to step back from anger because you're you don't realize that you're dabbling in hellfire. So right before I get up, I'm about to preach God's word on anger. Not 30 minutes beforehand. I had this interaction with somebody that just flat pissed me off. I mean, I was furious. I mean, I just felt slighted. I felt, I felt um, in some ways humiliated. I felt that I just felt like I got slapped on the face. 30 minutes before I had to come up with a smile and t- talk to you guys about don't anger. Don't get caught in anger. Turn the other cheek. I mean, it's like, come on, seriously, give me a little bit of a break. Right? So then we, you know, I'm sitting down last night and, and Shannon and I are, are talking and, you know, I think it's just... This time of life for us, you know, we got, we got kids, we got, we got busy jobs, you know, we're trying, we're trying to make it. We're sort of the, the kind of the beginning of our life and our career. So any, any moment we can get to, to sit down together is huge. So we sit down and we're starting to talk and, and there's just been a bunch of stuff that, that has been coming at us. And, and, and as we began to talk, you know, Shannon began to, to talk about, um, um, some places in which she just has been feeling some real anxiety, and we both have in a lot of ways. And so we were talking about anxiety, and then, and then really what it come around to is it's issues on money. And I was like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Don't, do you know what I'm talking about tomorrow? She's like, no, what? 
Money and anxiety. Come on. I want, what is this? I mean, come on. Shouldn't I feel like I should get ahead of the curve that somehow everything should work out? I shouldn't have to deal with anxiety. I shouldn't have to deal with money. And here we are. And I'm looking at it too and I'm going, man, I'm sitting with my wife and we're anxious. And we're anxious fundamentally about finances and money. Again, when am I going to have this sense of getting ahead of, ahead of the curve? Well, I want to tell you this because so often when we head into this, we think that somehow we're going to get to this place in which it's going to all get worked out, in which we feel like it's going to somehow make us strong and powerful and successful. And oftentimes what we experience is something that is just the opposite. So tonight, all these, all these sermons are not sermons that I, are not words that I'm bringing to you that somehow I figured it out. And I want to tell you that the words, and especially this one tonight, that I, I need to preach to to myself because here's the deal we get it to what we um, here's our invitation I believe our invitation in particular with the Sermon on the Mount is to begin to develop a foundation of strength that cannot be taken away I believe that even in the midst of feeling uh, sometimes at, at the end of myself The sermon invites us, Jesus invites you and me to a foundation that cannot be taken away. When it comes to money or mammon, what we're going to talk about in in a moment, God is calling us to be people who are courageous, but not people who are careless. And in particular, our invitation tonight is away from anxious toil of slavery into fruitful labor with our Father. I believe this is a powerful word for each of us tonight. And so I'm excited to get in, but I come not as somebody who, who has it worked out, but as somebody who's saying, God, we need your mercy. So let me pray. Lord, we approach this. Um, I think if we get it, I think we approach it with a sense of uh, humility because we can't do so otherwise. We, we cannot come into this and feel like we have it all together. But the good news is that what you've called us to is something that goes beyond what we can manufacture and do. You've called us into a a life that is bigger and richer and more powerful and more beautiful than what we can do simply do on our own. So, Lord, I would ask that tonight in particular around this area of anxiety and money, which we are surrounded by as a society, Lord, I ask that you begin to do something in us by the power of your spirit to call us to be people. To call us to be people who approach this without anxiety, without spinning, without fear. That we would be people who are building a solid foundation that cannot be taken away. Lord, build us to strength, I pray. In your name, amen. The first thing I think when we start is we begin to think, how do we, how do we take this word and begin to, to, say, to apply it in our lives? And I think what, I just want to follow through the sermon. And I think three things for us to look at. And the first is this. Uh, is we need to pick a coach and stop playing around. This, this section, Jesus essentially gives us three illustrations in which he's trying to kind of highlight a choice for us. And Jesus does this again and, a, and again. Three illustrations that are going to call our attention. What's the direction of our heart? What, what's really guiding us? What's, the, what's calling our shots? Because just because we work hard, it's like, you know, sometimes people call, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this in a meeting, but, you know, there's just a dramatic failure. And someone's like, well, I worked really, really hard. Yeah, but you suck. It doesn't matter if you work hard. 
Right? Sometimes we work really, really hard. And that's not the issue. But the issue is we got to stop behind that. Before we get in and we work hard, we go, okay, who's calling the shots? Who's the coach? And Jesus wants to highlight three things. He wants to say, listen, I want you to think about what you're investing in. I want you to think about what you're looking at. Where's your eye focused on? And lastly, I want to, I want you to, to think about who is it that you're serving? Because don't, I don't want you, I don't want you to, to play games. See, all of us, if we play with this, this analogy a little bit of games, all of us, I think, long to, to get into the big game. We want to do something significant. We want to get in there. We accomplish something big. And yet so often what we do is we play games. We don't play in the big game. We play games. And, it, and it's because we end up kind of being sort of half in, sort of half in, sort of half out. We sort of have our eyes on both sides. So if you think about it, if you're playing a, a game with a coach, you have coaches on either side, right? One side. You cannot look at both. You got to pick one. You got to go, okay, which, what jersey am I wearing? And so where do I look? You can't pretend to have kind of the jersey of the red team over here and then constantly be taking orders from the blue team. And Jesus wants to say, look, you, I, we love to play games. But I just want to highlight, before we get going anywhere else, before we talk about what we're going to do and not do, I just, we just got to say right now, you got to pick a coach and decide. You can't have it both ways. You can try to pretend that, but you can't have it both ways. Here's how we'd like to try to have it both ways. Either on one side, we, we, we kind of tend to think, well, we're going to do kind of a practical and sort of sanctifies, baptized um, atheism. And what I mean by practical atheism is that we, you know, we, we maybe we even got a little, little lapel pin if we wear suits and we've got a little cross right there. But basically, we live as if God doesn't exist. We live as if everything is up to us and we live responsibly. Well, because, man, we're just, you know, we've got to be practical. We're practical atheists. And we sort of, we just don't look bad, so we think that we're okay. But we end up, we're just playing games. We're not, in, we're not in call, into what God has called us to do. We're just kind of playing games around the side. The other side is this, is that, so, so that's kind of a, we get drawn towards sort of this mammon or, or, or money. The other side, what we end up doing is, is sort of this over, or at least what I've seen, is kind of this over-spiritualized sort of apathy or over-spiritualized paralysis. And where it's like, you know, I don't need to care about money. Money doesn't matter. Jesus is going to show up and just give it stuff to me. So I'm just, I'm just, I don't need to do anything because I'm not like that guy. That guy's, you know, he's out there working and he's, he doesn't trust in God at all. I'm just going to be over here. I'm going to pray for God just to give me a job. What are you doing about it? Well, nothing. I'm just praying. Well, I want a husband really bad. Really? Oh, well, what are you doing about it? Well, I don't know. I'm just praying God's going to give me a husband. God's going to give me a wife. God's going to give me a, God's going to give me a raise. What, what, what are you doing about it? Well, I don't know. I, you know, how are you going to pay rent? I don't know. I'm just praying about it. So uh, uh, it's, what's funny is that on either side, what we end up doing is really we make the money the focus. What we're doing is we're looking at money. Well, God's going to give me money and then I'm going to be okay. I'm just praying for it. Or I'm going to work like crazy because both, in both cases, our focus is on money or mammon. Well, this word mammon, it, 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 what we need to do is kind of hold on to that because money is a totally appropriate uh, translation for that. But money really is just, it's, it's about possessions, it's about stuff, it's about something that you can possess, that you can hold on to. So it really, it could be anything, it could be, well, it could be, it could be status, it could be job, it could be a, a degree of success, it could be something that we think that we can grab onto and we can hold on, that we, we can use it. 
And what mammon does is it helps us realize that when we approach this whole topic of, uh, of things especially, and we're talking a lot about, potentially about things, but it gets wider than that. Talk about money, but it's wider than that. What we think is, it's just something that we use. But when we start to understand that it's mammon, we get a hint that what this is really talking about is power. And we know, right, that, man, money is power. I mean, we see that all the time. Money is power. There's something powerful about it. We, we feel that. You know that. You go spend some money. You go spend money. What, you can get, you can kind of dress up and you feel great. Some new clothes. You get to go out. You get to have a great meal. You, you feel great. There's something powerful about that. You get to have a nice car. Man, that feels powerful. Money is power. Flat out is power. You shouldn't ignore that. The problem is, so often what we think is, it's just something that we control instead of something that perhaps actually might have uh, power control uh, over us. What we end up doing is kind of falling into uh, a very, very basic and, and old trap uh, that was set forth a long time ago. So I'm, I'm going to need some helpers on this. I need three people, three people to help me out. Come on now. One, two, Colby, attaboy. Three, come on up. All right. We'll have you come over here. All right, Nick. Yeah. I just met Nick, so we've got to reintroduce Nick. Nick. Nick, can you say hi to everybody? Hi. Uh, hi, Nick. Nicky. Everybody know Nicky? Hi, Nicky. Anybody know this guy? Colby. Yeah, Colby. Colby is every illustration. It's awesome. Um, Colby, I'm going to have you come over here. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the very beginning. And so... Uh, we're gonna, this is gonna be, I'd like to introduce you, reintroduce you to Adam and to Eve. Okay? Just total bliss. I mean, they, they were just created. We re- read this in the very beginning. I'm gonna have to, you guys hold hands, cause at this point you guys are getting along. Okay? <laughs> I love it, right? So, God create, we read that God created. We don't know exactly how it happened, but we are that God created. And as He created, He created, there's order that's brought into chaos. And at every point, you guys are doing good? A little red. A little blush right there. As everything goes along, we're going along. He's bringing order into chaos. And at every point, he's saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then we read that he creates male and female. And he doesn't just call it good, he calls it great. In fact, but the only thing that he says is wrong is when he creates male, he realizes that they're, they're, he's alone. So he creates a, a partner, and in some translations you could say a savior, a helper, somebody, he, he needs somebody. He, not, he can't, he needs, he needs, he's built for something. He's built for relationship. But he calls it good, right? He sets them up, he sets them up in a, in a garden. They're all naked and they're happy and they're <laughs> loving, right? No visualizations. Okay. So you guys step back here a little bit, right? So what we read is that God said, listen. I'm gonna hook you guys up. This is a good world. We love it. You're good. You're looking. You're looking fine, right? And here's the deal. I'm gonna give you a garden, and then in that garden, whoa, there's all kinds of fruit. I mean, if you want, there's oranges. You can you can have oranges. If you just gotta pick it, pick. You can pick oranges. You can pick apples. I got I got green ones. Okay, I got red ones. Okay, uh, I got pears. Even if you want, I mean, whatever you want, whatever you need, I want you to be hooked up. I want you to. You're gonna. Can you? Nick, can you hold that? Okay. I'm pretty sure that God looked like Nick, right? I mean, I think we can say that. Right? We don't, well, we don't know exactly what he looked like. You can, my, if you can set that down, that's really heavy, but if, if you want. But, so, but imagine, what we, what I, it's, what's important, though, 
What I want to nick up here, though, is that whatever God looked like, what we hear distinctly in Scripture is that he was personal. That there was a sense of God walking with them in the garden. That it was God that was saying, look, look, I'm, you have everything you need. Are you hungry? You don't need to be hungry. Everything you need. Okay, then we go to the fall, right? In the fall, suddenly it comes along, and there, there's a serpent, and I'll just be the bad guy. Can I be the bad guy? I'll be the bad guy. The serpent comes along, and the serpent kind of goes, Hey, what's up? Yeah, you good? I, you don't have any clothes on, but we'll get to that later. Um, it's a little awkward for me. I'm going to look over this way. But here's the thing. Uh, um, uh, are you really okay? Because I don't, I don't think you actually... Do you have enough to eat? I don't think you have enough to eat. Do you? Are you sure? What? And he, there's this conversation. And what he eventually goes along is he in, injects this doubt. He begins to say, I don't really know that you're okay. He doesn't say it outright. In fact, he doesn't, he doesn't say blame God, but he begins to inject this kind of, this fear and this anxiety. Are you really okay? And what he ends up doing is he ends up pointing it. And, and it's, he's not, you can see that there's a person over here offering whatever. And then over here he's like, you know, if you had that, you'd be alright. Cause I just, I don't, you're, you're probably in trouble. You know, I just, I'm just saying, are you sure you're gonna be okay? Are you sure you're gonna have enough to eat? I don't know, but if you just had this, if you just had, if you just would eat this, I mean, then, then you would be okay. Because, I, you know, here's the thing. God doesn't really want you to have everything. So you better take this and better eat it. So you see, at the very beginning, you have this very, this very distinct question. What am I going to ultimately look towards? Who's going to be my coach? Where is my place of power? Is my place going to be a person who gives me everything I need? Or is it going to be a thing? Is my coach a who, or is it a what? All right, I've embarrassed these guys enough. Let's give them up. Give them a thing. All right. Is it a who, or is it a what? And I think the very, from the very beginning, what we have to do, ask today, is to say, the temptation, to recognize that the temptation that we face all the time is, is my life going to be based, in a sense... That I am made by a God who has called me good. Who has said, I want to give you everything you need. Or is my place, my focus going to be, if I can just have this. If I can possess this one thing, then I'll be okay. If I can simply possess and grab it, then I'll be okay. Then, then I'll know that I'm, I'm, I'm actually worthwhile or worth something. Yeah. I'm good. So, so, what, so we have to start asking questions real quick. What is it? What's this? What is this that we get ended up tempted by to say that if I only had this, I would be okay? What is it that I want to possess? Is it that I, if I had the job, if I had the right job, then maybe I would be okay. I wouldn't feel like a failure. If I had, um, what if I were to possess kind of that, that, new, that next, not a job, but maybe um, you know, that pay raise. You know, I don't, I don't have the, I actually don't have the title of a job, but I don't have the right title. If I only, if I only possessed the title, I actually would be, maybe I'd be okay, I'd be, I'd be worth something. So, if I could only get that, if I could only get just a little bit more so that I could, money so I could get a house, or so I could get a nicer car, or so that I, or so I could move to a, a, a better neighborhood. What is it? It goes on and on and on. If I could only get a spouse, I'd be okay. If I only get a spouse, I wouldn't be alone. And I, my name wouldn't be um, rejected. 
my name would be loved. If I only had kids, my name would be beloved. My name wouldn't be forgotten. See, anxiety is going to come again and again. And this is where poverty of spirit gives us an invitation. Because stuff is going to come at us all the time. And it's going to ask us. It's going to be a power play. It's going to say, who is going to be your coach? You're going to have things that are going to tell you, I don't know that you're okay. So you better grab onto this. And we're going to have to ask the question time and time again. Ultimately, what is it that I look to to say that I'm okay? What is it that I look to to provide for me at the most basic level? It is a, it is a, uh, as I began with, it is a place um, that unfortunately um, it comes again and again. It doesn't matter how far down the road you get. You hit this poverty spirit where you begin to realize there might be something that's that little voice, that temptation. There might be something that you don't have that makes you not okay that keeps you from a full and a, and a rich life. That's why Jesus' prayer, we're going to pray at the end of this, Jesus' prayer is so brilliant. Uh, it's his basic prayer, the Lord's prayer, when he says, look, lead us not into, tempt- into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I believe fundamentally what that is about is he's saying, Lord, free us from the temptation to think that you don't give a damn and that I'm all alone. Deliver us from the evil one who's trying to tell me that I need something to be okay instead of someone who's told me that I'm good. Well, if we figure out who the coach is, who is it we're taking directions from, then we can begin to move forward. And I think Jesus says, uh, first he says what uh, we should not do. Uh, So pick a coach um, and stop playing around and then... um, so second, pick a coach. And then the second is, don't chase anxiety into a reduced life. So we continue on and we read that, Therefore, I tell you, not, not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more than food? Is body not more than clothes? And, you know, and there's some of us that, that we hear that and we go, you know, well, that's, that's, kind of, that's Jesus just kind of getting over spiritual and blowing us off. And, and yet so often... What he says again and again is, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, right? I think some of us have experienced this. We have this sense of what we end up getting kind of, we end up sort of getting trapped. We end up getting in this spiral where we realize that our anxious action, if we can step back, maybe a friend helps us with that. Our anxious action actually doesn't lead us into anything productive. It just gets us into a place where we're beginning to spin. It doesn't make things worse or better. It makes things worse. Shannon and I were talking, you know, we've talked about this, um, uh, you know, throughout the years, that we realize that with money, we, we have this sense in which we want to sometimes binge and purge. That there are times when we feel like, yeah, we have a lot, and we just want to, we just, it gives us a sense of power, and we, however we want to use it, and it look, and it can look good. You guys, all this stuff looks good. We're, we're tempted, not with something that was bad, just another piece of fruit. Looks good, and yet we, what we do is we spend, and then we get ourselves into a place where we go, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. Okay, finances come up, credit card bills come up, and we begin to, and then all we do, we, we, we pull back, and we kind of anxiously come back, and for some of us, we've gotten into these cycles, perhaps because of anxiety, where we end up getting in kind of the shame circle, where we, we run after something, and then we end up 
beginning to sort of see the end of it, and then we get shamed for it, and then we, we pull back. So we binge, and we purge, and we binge, and we purge. And, and the problem is that um, our, so often what we do is, is the exact wrong thing because it's driven out of fear. You do any, any decision driven out of fear. In fact, there are those who have written throughout the years on any decision, any decision made in desolation, St. Ignatius would say this, or a place of fear or anxiety is a bad decision. Hold off. Because when we're in a place of fear that we're either going to run away from something or run right into something um, even worse. Anxiety doesn't do anything. In fact, what anxiety does is it chases us into a reduced life. If anxiety is a waste of time, and if you're feeling anxiety in this area in particular, what I would want to say is just to hold back and to say, hold on, what is it that... I can't make a decision right now, even if I feel like I, I need to, because I'm probably going to make a bad decision that will make things worse. So when we began to, when we were talking, we, the immediate response was to take dramatic action that actually would have kind of thrown out stuff and gains that we had made before. And we kind of sat back and said, okay, hold on, we just got to hold off for a second. Second point I think Jesus gets us into is he says, you know, so often what we do is we go for uh, tragic reductions. Jesus says, look, is life not more than food? Somewhere we begin to believe that we, that the good life is about the acquisition of things. In here, we need to be very clear that we need to never say to anyone, especially somebody who is in the place of real poverty. Christians get themselves into trouble all the time with kind of glib comments about like, you know, hey, you know what, Jesus loves you, you don't need that kind of stuff, you don't need food, right? Horrible. Horrible. God says that you need stuff. Over and over again, God says you need, you need to take care of the poor. I care about the poor. I hear the poor crying out to me. It's horrible when we say that. And yet, so often we fall in that trap. Well, it's going to pat on the head. You know, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. All this stuff matters. In fact, Jesus says, look, I, your father knows that you need these things. Your father knows you need these things. But we get so caught up with thinking that we have to acquire that, that we actually reduce our life to the acquisition of things instead of living a full life. I, uh, as I was thinking about this, I just, you know, I thought about our boys. And, and I think so often, you know, when you're a parent, you want the best for your kids. And um, we want to buy them stuff. The thing that I've come to see more and more is that, you know, we have, we don't even have that many toys, but we feel like we got toys coming out all over the place. I mean, Shannon, let's just keep this in the room. She actually, like, throws toys away while the boys are gone because they don't notice them. And she just wants to get rid of them, right? She's going to have to answer for that one day. But anyways, we have so much stuff. The boys, they, and they always want, we go to stores, they always want more. Can we buy a toy? Can we buy a toy? Can we buy a toy? The thing is, they never actually play with their toys. It drives me crazy. They never play with their toys. And yet sometimes, especially as parents, we think, well, we need to buy. If we can only buy stuff, then that's what I want. So unfortunately, I think guys do this especially is that we think, well, I have to keep earning so that I can make sure that my kids have absolutely everything they want. And at some point, it goes beyond basics, food and clothing and water. A shelter, and it begins to. I gotta keep. I gotta. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna somehow be significant, if I'm gonna do a good job as a dad, I gotta keep working so they can have everything they want. Well, here's what I, I begin to see again and again. I'm seeing it again and again. My boys just want me. They just want to be with me. 
so often what we reduce life to is acquisition of things when we're supposed to just, we forget about being people. We forget about chasing after the dreams that God has called us to. We spend all of our energy just trying to, to worry about eventualities that we actually can't worry, that we can't have no control over. So we can get stuff. In the end, we don't end up being the people that God wants to call us out to and be. The word I think we got to hear in this is that God, for God just to say, listen, listen, I got you. And I think that's what he's saying again and again. When it's, I, your father knows you. He knows what you need. And I got you. I was talking with Dave about this today. And I was asking, Dave, what do you do when you come into these places of anxiety? And he said, you know, so often what I say is, just say, you know, I just remember that God has me. I can't, and nothing can separate me from him. I thought, you know, I get my best stuff from Dave anyway. So I thought, you know, it's, it's smart. I'll use that tonight. But I think we, it's for us to, to sit back and to say, how do I begin to maybe think about not what I don't have, but what I do have? And as I do, um, I begin to, to see a life that's bigger and an invitation to be the, a person uh, that is bigger, that is not just, I, I didn't just get the right clothes, and so I'm okay. Or, or, or I'm significant. I'm becoming somebody who is significant. You see, it's not just about God saying, I can provide for you the basics, but he's saying, I've given you the basics. Some of you don't think that. I don't think that sometimes. I don't think God has given me everything I need to do to survive. He says, no, I've given you the basics. I've created you. I don't just give you the basics, though. I, I, I'm about beauty. He says, look, the, the flowers, they don't spend all their time trying to think about if I'm going to be beautiful. They just grow, and they just are. For us, Shannon and I, we started, we started um, sitting back, and we just started thinking, okay, what is it? Okay, let's, let's step back from anxious action. We started just sketching out options. We started thinking, what is it that we have? And, and as we did, we began to, to see um, that there were some options uh, for us. We began to see that actually there are some great options for us, and not only options that, that just got it done, but options that really, that there was a sense for us of, of being people who were loved and provided for again and again and again. And so as we, we were able to step back from this anxious action, we'd be able to say, no, actually, we're fine. The basics are provided for. We can actually move forward, not, under, not frightfully, but as the family that God has called us to be. I think the last... Um, Here we go. The last point is if you're not supposed to run after anxious action, um, do this. Seek the kingdom and get after it. Um, some of you have heard this, but some of you haven't. It's been a little while. I, uh, at the end of seminary, um, we decided that we we're going to have Noah, and we had Noah in December. And uh, I remember distinctly getting up in January, and I would wake up and gasping, like, <gasps> because I was having a nightmare that, um, that, uh, as a new dad, I wasn't going to be able to provide for my family. I didn't know. I was hoping that God would provide a job. And, um, but I didn't know. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't have a job to, to follow it up with. And so I'd wake up anxiously in the middle of the night. Sometimes I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep. And, and so as we, we, and I'd just been praying, Lord, I pray that you're going to provide. I pray that you're going to provide something. So we, I hit graduation. Graduation came and went and nothing, um, no, nothing came along. And so I kept looking and kept looking. And, 
And, and not only uh, did I just graduate and then not have a job, but I, I went through a year in which um, um, I was rejected for multiple jobs. I got kicked out of Canada. I had to go live with my parents. I got in a brutal car accident driving off the lot um, in which somebody died. Um, and then I did an interview for a job the next day. Um, I had opportunity after opportunity, even ones that I that were dream jobs for me, um, crumble before me. Um, I was looking for any job that I possibly could. And I remember I started, I had a business undergrad, and I, and I started applying, uh, I tried to be this manager of a, of a business park, because um, I thought, hey, I... I can uh, think I can be who God wants me to be wherever I'm at. I've trained to be a pastor, but but maybe I'll just need to do this, and that's fine. And, and I actually I actually love business, and I think I would love to operate in a place, um, maybe operate uh, in a business environment. So I so I got so I psyched myself up, and I, and I applied, and I went in, dressed up in my suit, and um, basically I had a bunch of um, guys who were from another um, uh, faith. Who said, well, you're an MDiv, you have an MDiv, you're pa- so as soon as you get a pastor job, you're going to bail on us. So uh, we're just not going to do that because you're Christian. We're not going to hire you because you're Christian. Um, that night was one of the darkest nights of my life. Uh, where I thought things that scared me. Because I couldn't get a job um, in my profession that I trained for. And it was my very degree that, that kept me from getting jobs. Um, I eventually went to work for Starbucks because Starbucks had health insurance and we were worried about Noah having possibly a brain tumor. And um, so I got to put on an apron as somebody with a master's and see everybody in a town that I knew who would walk by me and think, you know, doesn't that, that, doesn't that can't that guy do more than pull shots of coffee? Um, everything that I could hold on to and possess had been torn away from me. Um, it was during that time we moved to um, Bellingham, and I moved there because I was able to be surrounded by people who would remind me that my identity is not in what I possess, but that God loved me. And he would give me, he'd given me the basics, and he had given me not just that, but he had made me beautiful. I began to develop disciplines like don't listen to anything you think um, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., which is when I'd have to get up. Those of you who work at Starbucks know what I'm talking about. Never had a good thought in there. Um, I began to uh, I do things like this, and some of you have seen this, but I, I, I just wrote this as a discipline for me. Not only did I have friends telling me uh, that I was uh, loved, um, but I wrote, in Christ, a new day is dawned. The kingdom of God is breaking in, therefore... Uh, Turn, therefore, into him and step forward boldly in faith, for the triune God is with you. What I want to tell you guys is that that was a year of hell. But it was out of that year, and I talked with Dave about this too, and we both were able to have a sense of stepping back. I stepped out of that year with a sense that uh, I don't fear that anymore. I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for myself. But I don't fear that because I can't, nothing can be stripped away from me. I will be who I'm going to be. And I saw God begin to bless me in the gifts that he had given me again and again and again. I saw him provide through people that 
um, weren't even part of the church, wouldn't even want anything to do with Christians. I said, God's hand provide for me again and again. I became the person. And he began to do, to do something in and through me when I had been stripped away from everything I had. That's what my prayer is for you. This is why this is so important for me. I want you to be a generation of people who begin to move away from anxious action that goes nowhere to be the kind of people who cannot be stripped down, who don't look for suffering, who, who don't, aren't cavalier about money, who are responsible about money, but don't waste their time trying to, to, to go after something when God has said, I've given you everything you need. I want you to be people who don't, who are courageous and fearless. Because you know that there is nothing that can separate you from God. There is nothing that can take away your identity. And it's when you do that, that God is going to begin to transform the world around you. I believe that firmly. Because you're going to be people who when it comes to the point where someone is going to try to take away this, and, and there's a lots of ways that stuff can be taken out of our hand. Natural disasters can take it out of our hand. Uh, it can rust. It can fall away. It can be, sto- it can be stolen. But the people, I want you to be people who say, you know what, that can happen, and that, you know, that would be a bummer. It's not going to stop me. Uh, I just want to pray for the Sermon on the Mount, and what I want, or the, the, the Lord's Prayer as we conclude, and what I want to do is I just want to give us some time to, to pause and have the band come up, and we'll get, begin to worship in a moment here. But the Sermon, or the, the Lord's Prayer, we read it, and it gets wrote, and it, sometimes I don't know if we, it means anything, but this it, what it does is it roots us back in this place where our eyes are on the coach so that we can end up not doing stuff that doesn't matter and doing the stuff that does. We move away from anxious action that goes nowhere into fruitful action that begins to, to make a difference in the world. Um, so I want to pray through it, and then I just want to give a pause and let God speak to you um, as, he, as he needs to. Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would we stop right now to say we want want to look to you. You know who we are, Lord. And so we also pray that you would give us this day our daily bread. The stuff we need, the roof over our head, the food, the clothing. Lord, we pray that we would would forgive as as you have forgiven us. Lord, give us what we need today to, to move into life. Lord, we list what we need because you know it. Lord, free us from temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we, we want to ask right now that the things that um, is call, are calling us to away from you believe that you don't care about us that you've abandoned us that um, that you somehow have it out for us Lord, we, 
give us strength to walk away from the temptation of the thing that we think we need so bad if we could only acquire it. Lord, I pray that in this room there would be people who move away from the spectacular because they know that you don't care about it. That in this room would be people who build a solid foundation that no storm can knock over. That in this room, that you would begin building in us a people who declare your glory to the world because we are fearless. Pray this in your name.